Well, we're in a series this last couple of weeks and we're calling it different. Actually, what we're talking about are the very values of our church. We have three values in our church. Knowing God is number one. And uh, we're just going to take some time and unwrap that value one more time before us. I think sometimes we need to go back and revisit what that value is, but it's probably the most, most important value that we could ever have. Last week, we began the series by asking ourselves, why am I different? And we begin by making this statement. Number one, it's in your notes. We are different because we value our days. I took this scripture, Numbers chapter, uh, what is that? Number, it was, uh, no, in Psalms chapter 90, verse 12, teach us to number our days. Teach us to number, we're, we, we're taught a lot of things in life, but never has anyone probably ever pulled you aside and said, I want, you to, I want to teach you something today. I want to teach you how to number your days. If you number your days, you will live your life a lot different than you do now. Because everything's lived in the sight of eternity, not the temporal. You'll make different choices. You will have a little bit different perspective. And you will get a lot different things, results coming back into your life as a result of numbering your days. Go back and listen to last week's message if you haven't. Number two, and let's move on this morning where we want to pick up. Why are we different? We're different because we deeply desire to know God. We deeply desire to really know God. Have you ever had a strong desire to know someone? Just, you just want to know them, and, and, but you're scared a little bit, maybe a little intimidated by the person. Uh, maybe they're famous. Maybe uh, there's someone uh, that, that uh, is beautiful that you've always been fascinated with. You wanted to, to date or something like that, you, but, but you were scared. You're, you, 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 didn't, you didn't really uh, have the nerve. And, 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 and what do you do you know, once you do introduce yourself? And I remember uh, years ago, this is dating myself, but uh, some of you may remember the days when, if you want to call someone, you had to pick up a receiver and you had to literally go like this many times with your finger. How many remember that? Do I have any? Thank you, thank you, thank you. We have some of you are like, what was that? That's called a telephone. We called it a telephone. And um, so I wanted to take this girl. The church was having a roller skating uh, party and I wanted to take this girl uh, with, with, but I've never invited a girl to anything before. And uh, man, I, I, said, well, I asked my parents, what do I do? And they, they said, well, you know, you need to call her and invite her. It's the first step. I said, but, but that's really weird. What if she says no? You know, what, what, what if I don't know what to say? Oh, just son, just get over yourself. Just, just call her up. You know? so, so I went to the be- back bedroom, shut the door, locked it, and got the phone, and I'm like, got the number, because I had her number, and, uh, and I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I can do this. So I picked up the phone, I did this thing, and it's like, this, this was like eternity. It's like, when it finally got to about the third number, I hung about, I, I can't do this, I can't, I can't. I don't have it in me to call this girl and talk to her. And um, so I did what every normal teenager would do. I started praying, right? Oh God, help me. 
Help me, Lord Jesus. I start pacing back and forth. Lord, give me the words to say. Lord, this is big. This, is, this could change my history. I mean, my future. I, I could be, this could be a, a forever thing. God, oh, oh God, I don't want to be rejected. And, and uh, so then I tried it one more time. I hung it back up. I said, oh my goodness, I got to have a script. So I sat down and I got a piece of paper and I, I wrote out what I would say when she said hello and uh, then what she would probably say and then what I would probably say after that. So I had this whole script of how it was going to go. I felt confident. God was with me. I was anointed now. I had prayed through. I picked up the receiver. I dialed the number. It made a noise, another noise, and then to my utter shock was this male deep voice. Hello? It was her father. I'm looking at my script. There's nothing in there for a father. What do I do? I went, oh, hi, 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 hi. Uh, yeah, your daughter. She there? Your daughter. Can I talk? Can I, can, can I talk? Can I talk? I was like so messed up. By the time, I don't remember that conversation. I've tried to just like scratch it from my memory. Uh, but she did go. And, uh, and I realized, you know, you can invite someone to go with you somewhere. But if you don't ask questions, it's going to be a very silent time. Come on, somebody. Because she just sat there the whole time. And I sat there. And finally I realized I'm going to have to ask, some, I'm going to have to do some talking <laughs> if I want to get to know her. So I started asking her questions. And you have to ask questions. If you want to get to know someone, you have to, you have to enter in. You have to lean into the relationship. What, what, what's your hobby? What, what you like? What's your books? Any books you like to read? What's your favorite movie? What? Just make, make up stuff. Just ask questions. And you know it's the same with God? God loves for us to talk to him and ask him questions. I... I I, our little granddaughter, she, uh, she has learned that very well. But she only has one question right now she learned, and, and that is why. That's all she asks is why. <laughs> and, and so, but she's learning to ask questions. We're teaching her how to ask other questions, but why is the one right now? And you go with it. God wants us to know him. And it's amazing what would happen in our lives if we truly knew him. George Washington Carver is probably a name that you're familiar with. You probably heard about him, read about him in your history books. He actually was raised in a little town called Diamond, Missouri, just a few miles south of where I was born, in southwest Missouri. You just drive down this very busy road. You get to a flashing red light. You take a right. You go about four or five miles outside of Diamond. Take a left. Go about two or three more miles, and there you are at where he was raised as a child. His story, his story of his life, he was actually adopted. It was very sad, his story. But he loved God, even through the tragedies of his life, he still loved the Lord. In fact, he loved the Lord with all of his heart. He was saying in his own words, all my life I have risen regularly at four o'clock in the morning to go into the woods and talk with God. And that's where he reveals his secrets to me. When everybody else is asleep, I hear God best and learn my plan. Wow. This is, you know, this is for, they had horse and, I mean, sure, they had cars. They had horses. They didn't have cars. This is a long time ago. And, and he was just coming up through the turn of the century, and, and he, was, he had learned how to hear the voice of God. He had become very proficient in study. He would study plants and things like that. He loved plants and 
his whole life, he had now gone to college, he's now grown, and he had discovered some things and had a laboratory that he worked out of. And, and uh, he was living in the South, and he realized that the Southerners and the farmers were struggling because all they had done all their years was just plant cotton year after year after year, and now the soil had been depleted of its nutrients. But Carver was aware that the peanut had enough nutrients in it that if you planted the peanut into the soil, it would, it would replenish the nutrients in the soil that had been lost. And so it would be very helpful. But the problem was no farmer is going to plant peanuts on their farm because nobody wanted a peanut. They wanted cotton. That's what we want. That's what we need. The economy lived off the cotton industry. And so he thought to himself, well, what I need to do is find reasons for them to plant a peanut into the ground. And so what did he do? He goes to the Lord and he begins to pray. And he said, God, I can't begin to know all that you know. But if you would, Lord, would you show me the purpose of a peanut? And the Lord began in his walks with him to give him insights and understanding. And it all came to a culmination one day in his prayer time as he was talking to the Lord and the Lord said to him, spoke to him and said, if you would, if you would separate the peanut into water and fats, oils, gums, resins, sugars, starches, and amino acids, and then take the result of doing that and then recombine those under three laws of compatibility, temperature, and pressure, then I will show you why I made the peanut. God gave him this, this, this understanding, this insight. And so he took that download from the Lord in prayer, went into the laboratory and began to do exactly what God told him to do. And within 10 days, mind you, 10 days, George Washington Carver had discovered 300 purposes of a peanut. Can you give God some praise for that? Yeah, and I'm here to tell you that we wouldn't be here today had it not been for George Washington Carver. And the crunchy peanut butter of Peter Pan and Jiffy, crunchy only, no creamy, no creamy allowed in the house. We don't do creamy, we do peanut. You got to crunch, you got to bite, you got to feel something. You know what I'm saying? And thank God, every kid, no, you wouldn't be here if it hadn't been for the peanut butter. Come on. When there's nothing else to eat, you go where? Thank you, George. All because of the peanut butter. And so we're grateful that God can speak to us and he can allow us to know and hear his heart. Y'all gonna be looking at that the rest of the day, I know. It's just peanut butter. It's just peanut butter. So the question is, do you know God? Do you know God? Jesus answered John chapter 14, verse 6. and said, I am the way and I'm the truth and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, he says, if you really know me, then you'll know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. But Philip, one of the disciples said, Lord, show us the Father and that'll be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time? 
Because anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am, look at these words, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. And so the words I say to you, he's talking to Philip still, I do not speak of my own authority. Rather, I speak it is the Father living in me. Everybody say, living in me. Who's doing his work? Believe me when I say that I am in the Father. This is very important. We're, we're going to touch on this at the end. And the Father is in me. Jesus wasn't rebuking Philip. He was just encouraging Philip to draw a little closer. Because true friendship really is, isn't it? Choosing to identify with someone in their thoughts, and in their heart, and in their spirit. Because all of life is designed for us to enter into this kind of relationship with our Father. And there's many benefits of having this intimate relationship with our Father through Jesus. A few, I just wrote down a few that I just suddenly came to my mind. When you're truly intimate with the Lord, can I say you're never lonely again? You know I mean? People go to bed every night lonely. I've been lonely. I've experienced incredible depths of loneliness in my life. But can I tell you, the Lord delivered me of loneliness and I have not had one day of loneliness since. Can I tell you that intimacy with the Lord will allow you to understand and have understanding and to come into a place where you never lack compassion again in your life, where you never lack wisdom again. In every situation, he will provide the wisdom that you need, that you never lose access to joy. There are so many rich benefits of having an intimate relationship with our Father. So I want to give you a biblical example of someone that you've read about that really had a desire to know God. I mean, they were consumed. God, I got to know you. And so we go um, to the book of Exodus. But before I say this, it's the, 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 the character Moses is so intriguing. In fact, the Bible says in Psalms chapter 103 that Moses knew God's ways, but Israel knew God's acts. God made known his ways to Moses, but his acts to the children of Israel. <clears throat> What's that saying? It's saying that the people of Israel knew what God did, but Moses knew why God did it. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the guys walking around going, wow, that's amazing. Oh, that's really cool. I want to be the guy that goes, I, you know what? I know why that's cool, and I know why that's amazing. And so Moses had this inner desire, God, I got to know you, and I, I want to be in your presence. And so Moses said, God, can you allow me that opportunity? Exodus chapter 33, Moses says, God, show me your glory. Show me your weightiness or the big attributes of who you are. God, show me your glory. And, and the Lord said, because God loves this, he loves this request. God says, I want to cause my goodness to pass in front of you. Mm. Don't you love that fact? That when you cry out to God and say, God, I want to know you. God, God doesn't say... <laughs> Are you serious? After all you've done? 
you've been a character. I don't think so. No, no, no. You don't qualify. No, no, no. God says, I love that request. In fact, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to allow you to see my goodness. Not, not see my wrath, not see my justice, not see my, my hand, you know, of, 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 of anger towards you. No, when you reach out and just say, God, I want to know you, God goes, okay, I'm going to let you see my goodness. My goodness is going to pass in front of you, and I'm going to proclaim my name. Your name is who you are. And, 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 and the Lord in your, pre- I'm going to proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence, and I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I'll compassion my compassion. But he said, you can't see my face, Moses, because no one can see my face and live. And then the Lord said, there's a place. Moses, there's a place near me where you may stand on a rock. And when my glory passes by, I'll put you in the cleft of that rock. Can I tell you this morning, there's a cleft for you. There is a place, if you just want to know the Lord, there is a place that God will take you in the spirit and he will put you in this cleft and he will allow you to begin to experience that which has been crying out from inside of you from years, as ever since you were a young little child to know God. You have no idea. You've been living your whole life, but down deep inside, there's been this desire to know God. You tried to fill that little hole in your heart with everything in the world that the world has to throw at you. But the only thing that's going to fill that hole that's in your heart is a presence of God, God, a relationship with himself. And he's got a cleft just for you. And if you'll put yourself, allow him to put you in that cleft, he's going to pass by. And this is what he said. I'm going to pass by you. I'm going to put you in the cleft. I'm going to cover you with my hand until I pass by. And then I'll remove my hand. You'll see my back, uh, but not my face. Why? Because God, God, God always said, why? You can't see his face. So God's, here's what he said. I'm going to let you see where I've been. You're not going to see where I'm going, but you're going to see where I've been, and you get to enjoy where I've been. And then this is what happened after he was in this cleft of the rock, and God passed by him. Exodus chapter 34. The Lord came down in the cloud. He stood there with him, proclaimed his name. The Lord passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, and this is huge. This is, this is, so God comes by him, and he, and he covers him up, and he and now Moses comes out of the cleft and he sees the back of God and God begins to speak to Moses who he is. He begins to describe <clears throat> to Moses his glory, his big attributes. Moses asks for glory and here's what God says, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. And in one moment, Moses had a small glimpse of a little bit of who God was. Six things. He says, I'm compassionate. I'm thankful for compassionate people. I think my mother probably wrote the book on compassion. She, she just, every when a little child, I'm growing up, a, a, an ambulance would go by. Oh God, oh God, oh please help that person right now in Jesus' name, please heal them, whatever the need is, oh God, right now. I'm like, okay. And, but I learned, 
that that's what compassion looks like. We, I was taking a drive with my mother just the day before yesterday. We were driving down the road, and there happened to be a lizard um, show up on the windshield. And uh, we're driving along. I'm going about 40 miles an hour, and that lizard's like hanging on for dear life. I, he's like all, you know, and he's got his hand. <laughs> and my mom goes, son, slow down, slow down. The lizard's gonna fall off and die. I said, mom, we are in traffic. We're going with the speed of everybody. I can't slow down because of a lizard. Son, he's gonna die. Think of his family. Think of his life. <laughs> Poor lizard. Finally, he couldn't take it anymore. I did the best I could to keep him on there. He's off. She's like, lizard's gone. I'm like, oh, mom, come on, it's a lizard. I remember one time, my, 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 we, had to, we lived on a farm. And of course, you knew how you lived on the farm. You took all your trash out to a barrel and you burned your trash. You didn't have a dumpster. You didn't have all that stuff. You had burned it in a barrel. And then you, beside the barrel, we always had the stuff that we put, we had a, we call it the compost pile where we, we put all the stuff that we, you know, that was rotten or, you know, that we didn't eat from the table into this pile. And, and my, my grandfather said, well, we, well t we need to do this because we'll put this in the garden and make the garden better. And, and so, I mean, it was just a stupid looking pile. It had eggshells and rotten tomatoes and just a bunch of, you know, just stuff like that on this compost pile. And we get up in the middle of uh, in the morning, and, the, and that, that stuff would be drug out all over the yard, along with stuff in the trash, because there was a stray dog that had come. Finally, my mom said to my dad, Jim, kill that stray dog. Do, just do something with it. Kill that dog. My dad said, all right. He got up, went and got the shotgun, went out. Boom, shot, I'm sorry, but he shot the dog. She comes running out of the house in, the, in her robe. What'd you do? What'd you do? Oh, my gosh, you killed a dog. He goes, you told me to. I know, but I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. Look at this poor dog. She, she was praying over the dog. No, she wasn't praying. But the, she's very compassionate. Compassion is what you feel when you see others that are suffering or experiencing sadness and you want to help them. If something moves inside of you. This is God. God said, I'm full of grace, which is undeserved favor. Unmerited divine assistance, God blessing you when in fact you don't deserve it. It's a gift, it's not a loan. It's no cost to you at all, nothing you have to pay, nothing you have to give back. He just shows you his grace. Number three, he says, I'm slow to anger. I'm thankful for that. He says, I'm abounding in love. I ooze with love. I'm faithful. And lastly, I'm forgiving. And here's why that's important to know. Because if you know those things about God, then guess, guess what? That is a window to show you who you are. Because scripture tells us that we are made, what? In the image of God. So whatever God is, guess what? I carry the image of that myself. So when God described a little bit of who he is, what he's actually doing is describing who you and I are. So I want to give you a little bit of uh, an insight of why it's important for you to know God. Because if you will know God, 
then you will know not only him, but you will know who he is inside of you. Genesis 1.27, I am, I am been creating you in the image of myself. And everybody wants to know what their background is, what their life is like, everything. They want to know more about themselves. We have people going to Ancestry.com, they become millionaires that, that invented that whole website because people want to know what's in their background, what's behind everything. God is behind what's behind you. And so this morning, I, I was thinking to myself, how, how, what does that really look like in most people's lives? Most people's lives, their relationship with God really looks like a prisoner in a cell. And they're in a cell and they're all bound up and they want to talk with God. God shows up in the visitor's room. They go with their shackles on their hands, their feet. They go to the visitor room. They pick up the phone on the side of the wall and God's on the other side of the glass and he's ready to talk. And the prisoner, us, says, God, I'm ashamed of myself. I'm so embarrassed. I, I don't know why I did it. I can't believe I did it. I, I know everyone's disappointed in me. I'll never measure up to what you probably planned for me. And I, I'm, I'm so sorry, God. And, and God, I just need you to help me. I need you to help me get out of here. I need you to change myself. I, I just need you, God, just to do something. And, and okay, thank you, God. Back to ourselves. And God goes, maybe it shouldn't be that way. In fact, it's not. How about this? This is how it's really supposed to be. God comes to you and he comes, into the, he comes into the prison. He walks right past the wardens and the guards and everything. He walks, opens all the doors, comes to your jail cell, opens the door, walks over to you and says, I am here to be your friend. And I'm here for you to know me and me to know you and for us to walk together in this thing called life. So take that orange jumpsuit off, take on this white sweater and this white uh, sweatpants and some white sneakers I have. Take those shackles off. Here we go, taking them off. Now come with me. And he walks you out of the prison that you're in. You see the sunlight, you hear the birds, uh, you smell the smell of the flowers for the first time in months, perhaps years. Uh, and God says to you these words, uh, go now and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, uh, teaching them to observe all things uh, whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am am with you until the end of the world. He's with you. One person said, that's why I don't fly planes, because he says he's low. I'm with you. He, he doesn't go high. God doesn't go high. That's it's crazy. God's high and low. He's everywhere. But most of all, he's with you. But more importantly, you are no longer who you were even on your worst day. You are no longer who you were even on your worst day. And we've all had some worst days. Because you've been justified and justified means that you have been made right. Not eventually, not if you do enough the good things, not if you put enough notches on your belt, You've been justified through Christ, nothing that you've done. And now, because of that, you have a relationship to walk out. And you have as much of God, listen to me, you have as much of God right now as you're ever going to get on this earth. It's inside of you. He lives inside of you. This is why sometimes I get a little uneasy when people go, I just need more of God. I need more of God. I need more of God. And like, God's like, 
I don't know what else to do. I'm all, 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 I'm in you. How can you get more of me when I'm in you? I need more, I need more, I need more. Like we're looking up into the heavens for something to fall out of the sky and to rest upon us. Like, like, what that tells me is that we truly don't believe that all of God has come into our lives. What the, the, the prayer should be, oh God, I don't need more of you. I need the, what you have in me to come out. I need to flow into the world. I, I, need, I need to go into the world. I need to baptize. I need to preach. I need to, I need to do what Jesus has said because you are with me now. I love that. Look at this, 1 John chapter 3. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world doesn't know us because it did not know him. Now, beloved, now, everybody say now, we are the children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know, this is important, but we know that when he is revealed, let me just put it like this. When we truly lean into the fact that Christ is in me, the Father lives in me, then that's a revelation. Do you understand? Because as long as the enemy can keep us from believing that Christ doesn't live in us, but he, you have to earn him, you have to get him, you have to find him, you have to work up the ladder somehow to be in relationship with him. As long as he can keep you in that mindset, you will never know God. But once you get the revelation as Philip got, that Jesus imparted to him, that, you, that, that, that God is here, you, he's, you're experiencing God right now, that you're walking with God. You are, there's, there's an old song years ago, that I walk through the garden alone, but he walks with me and he talks with me. He tells me I am his own. I want you to know you should be singing that all day long, that God is with you. Now look, look on. But now, but, when, but we know that when he is revealed, when we understand that God is with us, look at this. We shall be, say it again. One more time. Why? For we shall see him, What? as he is in me. Turn your neighbor and tell him, you may not like this, but he lives in you. Come on, go ahead. He lives in you. Every moment of every day, he's with you. I mean, you can't, you can't make him mad enough at you. He's slow to anger you. You can't aggravate him enough. He, he is with you. He, he never moves. He, he doesn't turn his back on you when you sin. He doesn't lift up the newspaper and go, uh-uh, no, 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 no. He, do, he doesn't leave the room and wait for you to get your act back together before he comes back in. He doesn't isolate himself from you because you mess up. He, he doesn't give you the silent treatment because you didn't measure up. Your God is with you. And the Bible says in Ephesians, put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. We have to understand that I can't get any more of God that I already have. I already have all there is. I just need to tap into it, get a revelation that he lives inside of me and let it flow, let it go and walk into the world and be God's mouthpiece into the world. 
Somebody smile at me. Would you all smile? It's not, it's, this is good news. Quit picturing God as separated from you. Colossians 1.27, and, and this is the secret, that Christ lives in you. This gives you the assurance of sharing his glory. One translation says it like this, the hope of glory, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So if we truly believe that Christ lives in us, five things will happen. You ready? Number one, you begin to believe that God can satisfy you more than any sin. You truly believe that. There is nothing in this world that is good enough and better than God. When you walk with the Lord and you become friends with the Lord and you begin to cultivate and begin to hear the still small voice of the Lord and begin to understand the impressions of the Lord and God begins to show you himself in his word, begins to speak to you through people and conversations you have with people and you feel like when they said something, that, that, was, that came from another dimension. That was God. When, when you really truly believe that there's Christ living inside of you, and you become so full. You become so, so there's nothing. You, you are just complete, and, and you don't need anything. There's no artificial anything in the world that can help medicate you, make you feel better about yourself. You, you got all that there is. There's nothing else. You, you've tapped into the source of all life. You've tapped into the eternal universal God and what else in this world could ever fulfill or match that? There is nothing. And you know that, so you don't have to worry about reading self-help books about how to do, the, do away with this and how to be a better person here. All you have to know is that Christ is in me, the hope of glory, and I have everything. I, I don't need that, and I don't need that. I do need this. It's going to make, make me more like Christ, and I'm going to do this. And you, you begin to walk with God on a whole different level. You don't need any crutches. second thing, when you truly believe that Christ lives in you, even though you've always been this way, you believe that you have the power to change. You don't have the power, but Christ does. The Holy Spirit comes, it breaks every chain, and you change. And you didn't do it. You just, just tapped into the Lord. Number three, you stop thinking that there's something fundamentally wrong with you. You know how many people I meet, you probably meet, they just think, you know, I'm just, I'm just different. I, I've, I've got issues. I've got problems. They've gone to all sorts of doctors and psychiatrists and psychotherapists and psychoanalysts. They've done all that they know to do. I'm just, something's wrong with me. No. Maybe what's wrong is you don't understand the Father has moved into your life and you haven't embraced him. And you're still looking through a lens that I got issues and I got problems. And I've always had problems and I'll always have problems. No, that all changes when you know Christ lives in you. You're not fundamentally flawed at all. 
It's a lie. Number four, you believe that God has been more than good to you. More than good to you. And number five, and Joseph, you could come. You believe that you're not a failure. No matter how bad you've messed up. You're not a failure. You're not a failure. I had a friend um, years ago and he ended up becoming a real strong leader in our church. He was telling me his story. How as a young man, he had followed the Lord and wandered away from God. He tried all sorts of things, found himself in a bar in California. <laughs> and yet he knew deep in his heart Really what he needed was a full commitment to the Father. He needed to return, if you would, to the Father's house. Prodigal son's story. But he, he just couldn't make himself do it. He had all sorts of shame and guilt and condemnation going on in his life and so many things pulled from him, from the world. And he was just miserable. He was making good money, had a good job. Miserable. He's telling me the story. He said, I, it was a Sunday morning. I'm in a bar. It's 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock in the morning. He's in the bar drinking, other people in the bar. And he's sitting there and he's just, he's so, he's so angry at sin and how the enemy has just stolen from his life and the world. He's just sitting there drinking his beer in a bar on a Sunday morning. <sighs> he stands up in the middle of the bar, looks at everybody and goes, what in the world are y'all doing here? Every one of y'all should be in that church somewhere. Get your life together. And sits back down and starts drinking his beer. <laughs> Eventually he realized, I'm talking to myself. He went back to the house of God, turned his heart to the Lord, became a great leader. God never stops chasing you down. He wants to always know you. He's just waiting for you to want to know him. Last night, but my prayer time, I started talking to the Lord and I felt an impression of the Lord. He spoke to my heart. He said, quit talking <laughs> and just enjoy me. Just enjoy me. So I shut my mouth. I looked into the stars. And I just enjoyed my father. Your homework today, the best thing that you could do would be to go home this afternoon, put on a pair of good, comfortable tennis shoes, grab a warm jacket, 
take a walk around your neighborhood. Say, thank you, Father, for living inside of me. Thank you for coming, inhabiting such a wretch as me. Thank you for making me your temple. Thank you for clothing me with the robe of righteousness. Thank you for speaking into my heart, for loving my family, for helping me make decisions, for giving me a future, for giving me of my past. God, I just, just want to know you. Everywhere I turn, God, I want to I want to bump into you. I want to know this God that lives inside of me. I don't want to live my whole life saying, yeah, I, I knew God, but I never knew him. God, I want to know you. I want to know what breaks your heart. I want to know what brings you joy. I want to be able to look at people and see them as you see them. That's what I want, God. That's why here at Summit, our number one desire is to know God. Our prayer teams are going to come, stand here right now. Some of you this morning may be here like my friend who was sitting at the bar realizing he just could not run anymore maybe you're here and you're just kind of tired of running and you you realize that God is not angry at you back home. I'd like for you to bow your heads, close your eyes. This morning, if you're here, you say, Pastor, I want to know God. I don't want to spend any more time wasting my life. I have to number my days. I'm born to be different. Wherever you're at, I'm not gonna embarrass you, I'm not gonna do anything, but right where you are, I just wanna pray with you. I want you to raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me, I wanna know God. I'm coming back to Him, or I wanna know Him. Right where you're at, I wanna know God. I wanna know Him, I wanna make Him the Lord of my life. Come here, raise that hand high. Let me see it. Is it high? Yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Anybody else? Amen, yes, yes. Yes. I want us to pray this prayer together. We don't all, we never pray alone, we pray together. I want you to pray this prayer of salvation, especially those that raise your hand. I want you to pray this prayer in your heart. Pray it out loud, all of us. Say this, Lord Jesus, I'm coming back home. 
Forgive me of my sins. And the time that I've wasted, I truly want to know you. So thank you for hearing my prayer, for coming into my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give some thanks to those that raised their hand, especially to the Father that just welcomed them into his kingdom. Thank you. For those who raised your hand, we have a couple of bistro tables out in the lobby by a banner. We'd love to give you a gift on your way out, a new Bible, some literature. We want you to fill out a connect card, turn it in and say, I made a commitment to the Lord today. Because we're gonna, we're a family now. We wanna help you in your journey. Everybody else here in the house, Aren't you grateful that we have a chance to know a great God? Would everyone stand with me this morning? As we get ready to dismiss, hey, hey, are you grateful for the asphalt parking lot out there? Wow. That's amazing. Took a couple years and we got there. I want to pray with you before you leave. Let me pray with you. Why don't you do this? Why don't you put a hand on someone's shoulder next to you? We're all family. We're all family. Turn to that person you got your arm. You touch him. Turn him. Tell, tell him the Father lives in you. Will you tell him that for me? Come on. Heavenly Father, we are one family this morning grateful that you come to abide with us. You sent your Holy Spirit to dwell with us. And if we would invite the Holy Spirit into us to fill us, give us access to the gifts and the fruits of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that there's all of you in us now. We can't have any more of you than we already have. So we just are filled with thankfulness today. What have we done to deserve such a gift? So Lord, from this point on in our, in our journey with you, we, we include you. We don't wanna go anywhere without you, as Moses said. I don't wanna go, I don't wanna take one more step if you're not gonna be with me. Assure us during the week. Give us little glimpses, Lord, that you're flowing through us and with us. Change us from the inside out. And for that, we're ever grateful. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.